Hello and welcome to the JIMD podcast, a fortnightly podcast to accompany the Journal of Inherited Metabolic Disease, the official journal for the Society for the Study of Inborn Errors of Metabolism. The journal publishes the results of original research and new and important observations pertaining to any aspect of IMD in humans and higher animals. And the podcast is an opportunity to explore these in a more informal setting. There's already loads to listen to, but we're still managing to find new content, including today's subject, organoids. So sometimes the podcast discusses old diseases and quite recently we explored the possibility of a completely new diagnosis. But I have to say that this is the closest I think we've come to science fiction so far, or maybe I'm just showing my ignorance again. Um, it's my great pleasure to welcome Vivian Lemon and Dr. Sabine Fuchs of UMC Utrecht to discuss their recent paper, The Potential and Limitations of Intrahepatic Cholangiocyte Organoids to Study Inborn Errors of Metabolism. Vivian and Sabine, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Now, um, perhaps we could begin with the obvious question, but what is an organoid? So an organoid is a 3D structure, a cell culture that we make from stem cells that we derive from a little tiny bits of tissue from a patient. So if we bring this tiny bit of tissue of the patient in culture in a dish, um, then we, we select by our culture medium, the stem cells that can grow into basically mini organs of the organ from which the tissue is derived. So in this case, we use liver tissue. So we make mini livers in a dish. And I mean, in my head, I'm just imagining this like tiny little liver, but what does it actually look like? It's not really a liver. I'm always a bit disappointed when I look at them, I must admit. But it's, it's a three-dimensional structure and it's a monolayer of cells that surrounds a lumen. And these cells, they can be all the cells that the liver is composed of. So they can be hepatocytes or cholangiocytes. And that depends on the culture medium that we use. So it's almost just a little tube. No, it's a little round. It's, a, it's, a, it's kind of a little ball. Yeah, like a football, essentially. So if you have the football patches, uh, the, the the leather patches that make up the sphere in the end, that's kind of what the cells do as well. They adhere to each other to form this hollow ball. So a tiny little liver football that we have. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we know what it is and we now know what it looks like, this organoid football. But how did you actually go about making your organoids? Because they were... they're. You'd like you say you're taking them from a patient, aren't you? Yeah. So um, what we do is we literally take a little piece of the liver from the patient. Uh, it's very small, so it's it can also be taken under standard pathological biopsy procedures, and we get a little sliver of that. And then we cut it into even smaller pieces with a with a scalpel, and then we put it into a solution that contains enzymes that very gently digest the tissue that surrounds the cells, so that they are freed up and can come out of the tissue. And we then place them into a, a hydrogel. So it's kind of like a Haribo, but without the flavors. Mm. Um, and that tells the cells that, that they think that they are in the liver essentially, because it has the same stiffness and similar cues that they give the cells. And then the cells start dividing and start forming these little balls. So, so does that mean it's very specific to the patient or can we say that it's more generalized to the condition? Well, both actually. So you, t you really make it from cells from the patient. So these cells have the complete genetic makeup of the patients, but they're also adult stem cells. So that means that they are derived from the liver and they can only become liver. Uh, so they also have functional properties of the liver. And if you take them from a patient with a specific disease, 
these mini livers will also have the characteristics of this disease. I mean, I've talked about different disease models with guests before on the podcast, and we've talked about how well they mimic the sort of metabolic perturbations and phenotypes we see in, in human subjects. How can we say these are accurately modelling the disease in this tiny state? So I think they are really realistic patient cells, so they really model the patient-specific disease, but there are two drawbacks. Uh, first of all, they're only liver cells, so it's not a complete liver, it's not a complete body, but it's not even a complete liver because they only represent the hepatic cells, so the liver cells or the cholangiocyte cells, but they don't involve the immune system, they don't involve the blood vessels, uh, the blood supply, so that makes it a cellular model of liver cells. And the second drawback or limitation, and we discussed that in our paper as well, is that they don't form complete mature liver cells. So they still remain somewhere in between the stem cell and liver cell cell type. So some of the functions are really well represented in the liver organoids, but some functions remain still quite stem cell-like. So it's more a fetal liver that we make than a complete adult liver. So if it's a very advanced liver function that we're trying to investigate, then it may be too difficult to do that in the in the organoids. Because you looked at um, three specific conditions in your paper. You looked at Wilson's, cystic fibrosis and an MMA. Was that the ultimate goal to get a better understanding of these diseases or is it to find a better way to trial treatments or a bit of both? A bit of both, I would say. I agree. So, uh... <laughs> Yeah. So for some of these diseases, we are quite far already in understanding the mechanism behind it. For example, cystic fibrosis, we, we know quite well in, for what mutation, what that causes, what um, protein defect or change that causes. So in that sense, we would want to use these more as a looking for treatment options and then in a patient-specific manner. Uh, and for other diseases, the disease mechanism is still a bit unclear, uh, a bit in the in the mist. And for that, these organoids hold a lot of potential as well to investigate the mechanisms. If you ask me, I think we've become pretty good at establishing the true genetic cause of many diseases. But the treatment possibilities are really lagging behind. So I think my main goal would be to develop and test treatments for, for children for whom we don't have treatments yet. And the organoids are a fantastic tool to do so. Uh, but we do need to understand the functional consequences of a genetic mutation before we can even start developing a new treatment. And, and what sort of treatments can you try on these organoids? I mean, is that the, the end goal to, to be throwing things at them and seeing what the impact is? is and, and how does that even work? Um, we can use the organoids to establish direct effects on the hepatocytes. So if it's an indirect effect, which, for example, involves the, the immune system, then it will be more difficult. Although we are also generating some co-cultures now in which we culture organoids together with immune cells to see how these interact together. But you can just try specific drugs that you can add to the medium, for example. That is the most straightforward uh, way of testing new drugs, I think. But what we are currently also working with is genetic modification. So uh, we're using CRISPR-Cas-based gene editing technology, prime editing, to try and develop a gene correction program. 
Uh, we can also try mRNA therapies in the, in the cells, but also more conventional compounds or dietary products. So it's hard not to be excited by this. I mean, I know our editor-in-chief was excited because she specifically highlighted your paper to me. <laughs> but obviously, you sometimes have to temper that excitement with the reality of what you can and can't achieve. What conditions is this going to be useful for and which ones won't work and, and why? So we use liver organoids in this instance, and we chose specifically for liver organoids because the liver is one of the most, well, it is the most uh, metabolically active organ that we have in our, in our body. So for a lot of metabolic diseases, this is a good model, but for diseases that do not affect the liver or that represent some, some very specific brain function, for example, then this model cannot work. But for, for specific liver disease and for basic mechanisms, like we show for cystic fibrosis, for example, which is a transport, an ion channel problem, or for MMA, which is a very basic uh, amino acid degradation function that we study, for these diseases, they're, they're an excellent model. And I noticed that in the discussion, you move from talking about these intrahepatic cholangiocyte organoids to hepatic liver organoids. Are they better or just different? Well, so those other organoids, they are literally taken from the hepatocytes in the liver, which are then proliferated in the laboratory in a similar manner as to what we're doing with intrahepatic cholangiocyte organoids. And uh, as the name already states, our organoids are made from a cholangiocyte progenitor cell that has the capacity, it has been shown to be able to, in the body, differentiate into the hepatocyte as well as the cholangiocyte lineage. However, the hepatocyte organoids have the potential to really stay a more mature version of the hepatocytes, essentially, and not de-differentiate toward the other lineage. So if that model were to, because uh, it still has some limitations, um, work very well uh, in upscaling large amounts and testing it for every adult human, then it would uh, have the power that it has much more mature hepatocyte functions that it offers to us. So what Sabine was saying earlier with the, our organoids, they are more a fetal liver. The hepatocyte organoids might become a more mature version. However, the culture options with hepatocyte organoids are still a bit limited at this point. Yeah, and that's, I think, a great advantage of the organoids that we use is that we can keep on expanding them. So from a tiny bit of liver tissue, we can make kilograms of, of mini livers if we want to, and they're very easy to culture and to use for, for all the different functional assays. And that's still completely different with the uh, hepatocyte organoids. So basically, at this very moment, we can only make them from fetal culture to, well, we can make them from adult adult tissue as well, um, but then they stop growing after a few passages. So we can only generate lines from fetal tissue, and they are very difficult to, uh, to keep in culture and to use for uh, assays so far. So we're optimizing that, but it's, um, we're not there yet. So, so when you're saying you can make kilograms, you're not looking to make a, a bigger organoid, you're just looking to make lots of copies of the organoid that you can then try different experiments on. Exactly. And you can, you can do many different experiments and we can freeze them and use them in the future. So, so that's why we are generating a biobank from a lot of different patients so that we have mini livers of all the different diseases uh, that are available. So when in the future, some new therapy or treatment will evolve, we can then go back to our organoids and see if it may work also for these patients. Which would hopefully mean a, a, a faster pipeline for new therapies. 
Exactly. And a personalized approach. So we can really look if a treatment will work for that specific patient. I mean, those are all things that are going to excite um, uh, people to hear about. So what, what comes next? You validated your, your organoids. You've shown that they represent these, these three conditions well. What are, what's, what's next for you and your group? So I think it's, first of all, we're going to, to continue uh, developing assays in these organoids and to, uh, to be able to study more diseases, also unknown diseases. So we're developing a lot of different, more untargeted assays so that if we have a new genetic mutation and we have organoids, we can just run them through a number of assays to try and get a grip of what kind of disease it might, might represent. Second, we're trying to work on the hepatocyte organoids, so to derive them and to make them into a culture that is as easy to use as the current liver organoids that we're using. Um, we're also trying to um, develop organoids, liver organoids from other more accessible sources, because now we depend on liver tissue to make these organoids. So we're currently working on fibroblasts, so skin tissue, uh, and also urine, because there's always some cells in the urine, and these are really easy to, uh, to get from patients and to try and directly differentiate these cells into, uh, into hepatocyte-like cells that we can culture into organoids as well. You can make a functional liver organoid from someone's wee. That's what we're trying to do, yes. <laughs> and that would be fantastic because then we don't need invasive procedures anymore and we could, it would be really easy to generate um, organoids already from, from just a little bit of urine. It sounds scary. I'd be careful where I was we weeing. Um, <laughs> maybe I don't know if you wanted to add anything about new projects. Um, well, uh, yeah, maybe. But it's, so I, I work for Sabine and also for a different lab. And so uh, together in a collaboration, we're also wanting to bring this more toward a human on a chip uh, system that you can, what, what the limitation is now with the liver organoids, only looking at the liver, but that you then can incorporate the gut and uh, the stomach and the lungs and so on. So exciting things coming up. And Vivian, you're also working with 3D printing and yeah. with different gels to use to make all end with hollow fiber cultures. So we're using organoids to make a lot of different applications that more closely mirror specific processes in the body. Yeah, so we want to um, sort of uh, standardize certain things by using biotechnologies uh, like bioprinting, 3D printing, bioreactor technologies to combine all of that into a streamlined system to test drugs later on as well. Wow, it, it, it literally does sound like something out of science fiction. It sounds like, <laughs> You sound like you've got so much going on. It's a wonder you've managed to make time to speak to me, but I hope uh, it's been painless enough and that you'll come back and tell me all about more of that when it's, when it's ready. It was painless. It was fun. <laughs> I mean, I must confess, I can confidently say that I've used the word organoid more in the last half hour than in my whole life so far. Um, <laughs> but it's certainly exciting to hear about what can be done with them. If you'd like to read Vivian and Sabine's paper, then click on the link in the podcast description or go to the journal website and search for organoids. And if you'd like to hear more from us, then just search for JMD Podcast and hit follow to never miss an episode. Vivian and Sabine, thank you so much for making the time to speak with me. Thank you so much for the invitation. Yes, it was fun. Thanks. And thank you for listening. Until next time, goodbye. Goodbye.